Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, joined today by my good friend and co-host, Tommy Allgood. Permission to Be exists to be a space of hope for those journeying to find their true, authentic selves. We hope that the story shared here will inspire you on your own journey and help you unlock the permission to be who you have always truly been. Hello, welcome to Permission to Be. This is Tommy, and today <laughs> it is just me and Becca in conversation with one another, and I have no idea what I'm doing, and so you get all of me authentically right now. <laughs> Woohoo! That is the best way to get ya. <laughs> Friends, we are so excited. It is 2020 and it is season two of Permission to Be. And we thought the best way to kick off this season would be for Tommy and I to share with you a little bit about behind the scene conversation, behind the scenes, I should say. There's multiple conversations that he and I have been having in regards to to topics like... I mean, we have a lot of conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes we do. (laughs) We could do some rabbit holes. We could could go down our more serious anti-racism conversations. I feel like they all happen. It it just kind of interweaves all the time. It just... Mm. It's just who we are as individuals at this point. <laughs> That's that is a fair statement. Fair statement. So, friends, technically, New Year is in two days, and I don't know about you all, um, but 2019 has had some really high points, um, but it has had a lot of stretching and growing points. Mm, yeah. It, <laughs> we'll just start it off this way. So um, I had my first tarot experience um, at the beginning of 2019 and somebody um, can draw tarot cards for you as a friend. We were sitting around at a New Year's party and they drew a year spread for me. And one of the my cards um, was the beaver. And in this specific deck, that insinuated um, hard work. And my friends were looking at me and I felt like they gave me the nice version of that card because they were a little hesitant to tell me the gr- the weight and the you gravity. You run a whole bunch of white people, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I sure was <laughs> surrounded by them. Mm-hmm. So, they, so, so, so they were playing into my fragility mm-hmm. uh, on the subject. <laughs> Instead of just coming out and saying it's going to be a hard ass year, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like and that it, is a product of whiteness, like sugarcoating shit. I'm, I'm like, just give it to me straight, like. We oh, <laughs> not to derail yeah. this, but like over, I, I I just got a new appreciation for my aunts over when I went for a Christmas dinner, and like she is just like filterless and is a straight shooter, and it's just so refreshing. <laughs> and like yeah. like whiteness just sugarcoats and tiptoes over shit, and then when you start experiencing shit, you're like, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> the story, the byline of white culture. Oh, there you have right, it. Back to this terror read. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. 
no, no, that's all I, that's all that was there. That's all that was going with it. <sighs> like that that's actually been one of the things that I have been bumping up against. Um I feel like occupying a lot of white spaces is is the fragility and and how mm. exhausting it is and so and trying to balance that with how much of that is just like human nature and how much of it is like rooted in a culture of like whiteness and so i i always find mm. myself in stuck in this tension of you know obviously i'm going to treat people as people but as i've committed myself to learning how to be anti-racist, learning about white supremacy, it's really hard not to see the systems at play sometimes in culture and in the differences even in, in how aspects of black culture and white culture uh, operate. Mm. Um, and that that right there is a huge um, part right there. Even... We even had a conversation about it last week when we were editing the Hillary McBride podcast. You want to tell them about that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so for those of you who, um, no, I'm not going to do that. I was going to justificate. I was going to justificate. I was going to justificate. There you go. We're making up words. Is that a word? I words. No. <laughs> Speaking of things that white people do is that we justify, or at least I do. Let me rephrase that. Let's just own, let me own my own. Um, I justify my answers. And so I was just about to say, well, I'm an Enneagram one. Well, I'm a one wing, but strong one wing. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Enneagram, an Enneagram one tends to lead towards um, perfectionism and liking things in a certain way in a certain order. And I was going to (laughs) justificate my (laughs) Tommy spent an afternoon doing some editing of the Hillary McBride podcast, which is so awesome. And then (laughs) I was like, well, basically what I, um, in my fragility was not wanting to say was, I didn't like it. I didn't like what he edited. And I couldn't because I was so afraid of being honest. Um, And I was so afraid of those ramifications instead of just owning my own thoughts and my own answers. Um, And not to say that we don't show love in our words, but sometimes showing love in our words is just not being passive aggressive, yeah, yeah, um, which white people are very good at. Yeah. And it was interesting because I, I immediately picked up on it in the way in the way that you were questioning <laughs> me, and I was like, hmm, I'm going to let this play out. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were. And I was like, all you got to say is you don't like it, girl. <laughs> and so I ended up by asking, I was like, do you think like that's the final? version of what i did i just because we were we were playing with some um adding some production value and whatnot to it and and what i was really searching for was her her honest critique of you know Mm. how how do you like you know this to be edited and also to take some of that load off of you and to kind of share that in that work um and it was just really interesting to kind of see the trepidation and I think you said 
I don't want anything to come between our friendship. Mm. Well, and that's true. Um, and that has to do y'all that has to do with more of my insecurities than who Tommy is. Like that is, so if I'm responding to, if you're responding to someone and you see it as an, a fear of their external response, if we take a minute and step back and look at where that is really being driven from. Um, and nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with the person you're speaking to. Now there are cases, I'm not going to generalize and say that there's never a case that it's not a, about the other person, but I'm just saying that our fears when we sugarcoat our fears, when we protect people, a lot of times don't have to do with how that person's going to respond. It's the perception of it's what we want, how we want people to perceive us. Right. Um, and I tend to be lean on in the insecure direction when it comes to friendships. And Tommy is such a dear friend that my insecurity, I, instead of taking a breath, I lean into the insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was and it was so interesting because it did open up this really beautiful dialogue of you know part of being in a relationship with each other is that honesty um, and so, sometimes it's it's a brutal mm-hmm. honesty in in love and you know especially if like in this instance it was the creation of, of something for public consumption that you know you want a certain production. Uh, value to it and even that a little bit is rooted in in whiteness right uh, like everything has to be like perfect because mm-hmm. yeah. I was listening yeah. to uh, I think generations podcast or something uh, or some voices of our answers I can't remember the name of the podcast and the production of that is really low but the content in that is absolutely phenomenal in, in terms of anti-racism education and so it was simultaneously also a challenge to to becca to kind of like let go of some of the control and some of the perfectionism (laughs) especially hosting a podcast where we're talking about giving ourselves permission just to be and what that might look like and so Mm. one of my big things is like how do we live this out in integrity Mm. you know no you're not wrong it's (laughs) <laughs> here let me give you my approval <laughs> my, white, my, my white woman approval um oh bless my heart um and something you and i have talked about as well is it's it's kind of a double whammy um in the awareness area of not only being aware of our fragility but being aware especially as women how fragility and patriarchy um, go hand in hand and how I'm thinking of it. And then since with our conversation is not necessarily for you, but for our listeners, I've always been women have to bring so much to the table to be heard and we have to do it better so we can even get noticed. 
And so my perfectionism feeds off that notion. Um, it doesn't make it right. And it's not a justification. It's just an awareness that I need to have. And those of you who are like myself, who do get caught up in the perfectionism loop, we, it's this awareness that we need to have on a regular basis, um, not only in regards to us as women, but especially in regards to those of us who are white women. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think I would say that I have perfectionism rooted in me as well. Um, and I think the effects of how that plays out is different because I am black and, and the effects of how it plays out with you, uh, you know, white supremacy plays out in you is different because you're white and, and you're a woman. And so like those dynamics are so interesting because for me, there's always in the back of my mind of, um, I have to sound articulate. I have to pursue black mm-hmm. excellence. I have to, you know, I can't seem ghetto, right? And, and all, <laughs> all those things are like just products of a white supremacist culture, you know, a, a, as I've been learning and, and reading. And, and this is why I always say, you know, if I have to decolonize myself and, and I'm going through this mm-hmm. process of decolonizing myself. Um, and so if I have to do that, what makes white people think that they also don't have to do that? And so and it, it's just really interesting. And even that notion of, you know, I, I find it was interesting because I, I think I also said at one point, you know, this is one of the reasons black women often don't feel safe around white women is, is because mm-hmm. of the censorship. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we know when y'all are uncomfortable. <laughs> Sitting over here being coy, we think we're getting away with shit, and we're not. Not at all. Not a damn bit. Like, y'all act like we're blind, and like, we just didn't see y'all hee-hee and ha-ha in the corner, and like, straighten up when some black person walks in and is like, oh, better watch what I'm saying. Like, no! <laughs> and it be, it's like, start tripping over the words of like, am I using the right language, or it's like we it's like just i was listening to robin d'angelo talk about white fragility and she was like how do you think that i look to a black person once i start going to that mode of i'm trying not to offend or say the wrong thing like i'm not i'm no longer being authentic like so one of the things we talked about was and i found it interesting and and i think this is something that will continue to unpack and we're just beginning to scratch the surface of it um power dynamics between like white women and black men and Mm. like me being a black man on your podcast and sort of like those power dynamics at play and what went into inviting me on to be a co-host and and getting to this point You walked up to that door and opened it wide open. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I do, but it's a gift. What can I say? (laughs) It actually is. You joke, but it really is. It really is. Um, That's a great question. I mean, that's that's a wonderful question. Um, So I don't have a, you know, one, two, three answer. But my answer would be that, uh, let's just call it what it is. Um, For starters, for those of you who don't know Tommy and I personally, um, we are very good friends. Um, And our friendship has grown to the 
at least at least on my side, I'll speak for myself, on the last year <laughs> closer. Um, and so there, I feel a little spoiled because Tommy is one of my safe people in life. And so it makes sense to have him as a co-host. But I will admit when David Roberts, my other co-host, and I first started, we did not think of bringing on anybody else. And that the more I have learned and experienced my own whiteness, or not experienced, let me rephrase that. That's not good word choice. The more I have acknowledged my own whiteness, I did. I I be stumbling all over myself. Look at here. I'm the white person <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> uh, my good friend Tommy is black and we're having conversations about racism. And so it makes sense to bring somebody who is actually part of this. Tommy has a heart for justice and for bringing people together specifically around race. And so that's why I brought him on. Yeah. I would say around any points of marginalization, I want to bring people together. Yeah, okay. Sorry. No. <laughs> but like, it's just easy because like I'm black and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, so race would be like the, the natural thing, but then there's also I'm gay. Um, well, queer. And so <laughs> um, the, that's another point of marginalization. Hey, really quick. Mm-hmm. I think it would be curious if you don't mind, how do you define the difference between saying I'm queer and I'm gay? All right. So, well, on this episode of Tommy on the Spot. All right. So, for me, gay is strictly, um, and, I, and I don't know this on any academic level but typically when we say like if a man says that they're gay or a woman says that they're a lesbian that's like two men who are attracted to each other or two women who Mm -hmm. are attracted to each other Mm -hmm. um queer is has become you know we've reclaimed that as as, as the lgbtq uh community we've reclaimed that word because uh it was used as a derogatory word for so long but basically queer just kind of encompasses this spectrum Mm. and so as i'm living out my sexuality as i'm living out what it means to uh to be free Mm. uh, to divest in white supremacy to divest in um, appearances I've always tried to fit myself in these neat little boxes. Um, and I think we like to label everything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for me, going transitioning to identifying as queer is breaking down uh, those labels, is challenging uh, gender norms and gender binaries. And so I, I just find it to be for myself, in my experience, uh, more inclusive language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. I think that's a conversation that needs to keep being brought to the forefront. And we need to just talk about these things because I think um, for a lot of straight people, we make assumptions um, mm-hmm. about labels. So mm. thank you for taking yeah. them out. Yeah. Any other questions around that? Just let me know. Um, I forgot where we, what else we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, 
your your host to forget what we're talking about. No. You guys are getting an authentic Tommy and Becca conversation <laughs> because so it looks like we're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Welcome to the rabbit hole with oh, us. <laughs> this is where we spend most of our time and it's quite glorious. Uh, <laughs> oh, we were talking yeah. um well, we had started to talk about the dynamics of black men and white women. Yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those interesting things because especially as I'm learning about power dynamics, uh, learning how to be anti-sexist, um, l- listening to the experiences of women, um, learning about feminism from mostly black women perspective, um, it's, it's just so interesting um and the reason i explicitly say black feminist perspective is because um the the earlier iterations of feminism were mostly led by white women and they excluded black women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it did not take into account the power dynamic that white women had over black men. And that's not to say that there's not misogyny uh, in black men, but it's it's this really interesting um, power dynamic in in that way that the whiteness comes first Mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about things like white women tears, that's power over black bodies. because so often, and you think about the history of it, so often all a white woman would have to do is shed tears, and that could very yeah. well mean a black man's life yeah. or claim rape, or you know. And so there's this extensive history of how white women, um, by being sort of victims or fragile, um, mm-hmm. have held power over black men, and so it was. All that was in my mind. We were talking about coming, like how we got to uh, me being a co-host on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So all that was actually uh, in the back of my mind. And and I actually asked myself at one point, is she just using me as a token? <laughs> um, and it was something that I honestly, I had to wrestle with. And, and we've had to have conversations and and be very upfront about it um and in the appearance of it even um yeah. you know yeah. because like let's be honest like cultivating a podcast it there's a bit of ego rooted in there there's a bit of mm-hmm. i want to build my platform i want to build um i want name recognition for myself and so and i think whiteness kind of uh, not kind of, but whiteness is very individualistic in that sense. Mm. Um, and so this year is the first year that I've celebrated Kwanzaa. Um, and one of the principles in Kwanzaa is cooperative economics. Um, and I apologize that I cannot remember the actual uh, word in this moment. I think um, like Ujima is is another word. And then it's very similar to that, which is the cooperative economics. Um, but also looking, I, I think that this is really valuable now being invited on because it, this is another example of how we can um, start to dismantle um, some of 
some of those those power dynamics and create mm-hmm. this cooperative economics because so much of white supremacy most of white supremacy or all of it is rooted in this principle of economic supremacy as well mm-hmm. um and and so it it was a it was sort of a difficult decision to to weigh and, and to say yes this is my friend but you know how how is it looking with the power dynamics at play and i probably didn't articulate that all well um and and like i said it's something that we're continually unpacking and continually <laughs> to continuing to interrogate um and just be mindful of yeah. of how even in this podcast even in this relationship rooting out whiteness and white supremacy in it um and, and creating that equity uh between us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all of those details. Um, and I've learned something for one. Thank you for being willing to be the teacher in that situation. And um, as your friend, I feel very honored because I do truly believe that no person of color owes any white person their gifts of education and their gifts of their culture. And so even though we're friends, it's very honoring. So thank you. Absolutely. I mean, there, when we talk about, you know, I think it can a lot, when we talk about white privilege, when we talk about um, black people, especially getting rights or getting special privilege to get those rights, even that can be a very uncomfortable a very uncomfortable conversation for white people um, because there's this notion of somehow there's unfairness in that. But what I appreciate in this is like, if I think that we get to set an example of, of how it can be mm-hmm. and, and lead by example. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen without being in relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to let being in a relationship with Becca it, at times it's work, right? Because there's all, there might be something that she says and, and I might not be in a moment of like teaching or I might just want to be like, that was racist as fuck, you know, <laughs> or, or something and not like have to go not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it, it, but there's that permission and that understanding that, I can say that, and then Becca goes and does her own work in her research, um, mm-hmm. and and invests the time in it to root out that whiteness or or that racism within herself. And so it's an honor to to be doing this work, to be setting this example. I think we need more of it, um, mm-hmm. and I think we need more candid conversations like this, mm-hmm. um, more uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see, you know, white women and black women talk more. And w- I know it will be very uncomfortable for white women. It will be uncomfortable for black women, but more so because white women, going back to that, how this passive aggressive and this niceties, mm-hmm. um, right? Versus yep. Yep. black women t- typically operate out of a kindness model. Like I'm going to tell you what you need to hear and I'm going to love you through it. I'm mm-hmm. not, about, I'm not here for it to be nice. Um, and that's really intimidating for some white women, but you will be better. A lot for of white it. Women. 
Yeah. All white women, mostly. <laughs> if you haven't done the work. <laughs> and I'm still there. I'm still there, y'all. I, just because I am on this podcast, just because I have the honor of calling Tommy friend, I have not arrived. And I personally feel I won't arrive because I was brought up in the culture of whiteness. There's so much to unpack that my muscle memory will always revert to the culture of white privilege and it will take a daily work. And that's not patting myself on the back. That's just saying that I think white women, we should never be up teaching about racism. I believe that we can join in conversations but I think I think you should be teaching other white women and other white people about racism. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. Sorry, that's the good clarifying. That's very good. Yes, yes, we need to teach each other. I'm just gonna shake. You can't see me, but I'm shaking my head. Not to people of color, white women. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, it, it, what what typically happens is that. I think white women, white men think that, you know, they've done all this research, that they're somehow woke, that they somehow arrived. And in that presumptuousness, they start to police the experiences of black people, black and brown people. Um, Mm. Yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting for myself and what I have seen in some of some online communities that Tommy and I participate in is that we don't, there are times when we as white people don't realize that we're even policing tone policing. Um, and so we get called on it. White tears. And the response is not to fix it. <laughs> yes. The response is not to fix it. The response is to say, Oh shit, I'm sorry. Like that that's that that's the response, my friends. Like it's it don't try to fix it. Just stop. Just own it. You made a mistake. And that's another thing. Oh my gosh, let's make mistakes and move forward. Yeah. That's all I got yeah. to say on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I couldn't let that go. The, so the Kwanzaa principle that I was talking about is a cooperative economics oh, yeah. Ujama. U J A M A A Ujama. Um and so I don't know when this is going to air, but first of all, um, like I said, this is my first year celebrating Kwanzaa and it has been a phenomenal experience. So I figure, like, why not use this opportunity to also educate about some of the myths? Uh, first of all, Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday. It is a cultural celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not. I, did, I actually did not know that. Yeah. So it did not originate in Africa either. <laughs> it was started. <laughs> it was started in, in 1966 as a way to cultivate pride in, in our culture, pride in our uh, ancestral roots. And, and mm. all people are invited to participate regardless of race or origin. Um, There are universal Mm -hmm. principles. There are seven principles. I'm still learning how to pronounce all this, but umoja is unity. uh, To strive for and maintain unity in family, community, nation, and race. That's important. Even though race is a social construct, it exists. 
And so as we are fighting for equality, as we are、um, fighting to have our decency continue to be recognized and validated,、um, it's important to recognize that race does exist now.、Uh, Kunji, Kunji Chaguya, self determination, is the second principle. Ujima is collective work and responsibility. Ujama is cooperative economics. Today is Nia, which is purpose. Tomorrow will be Kumba, creativity. And we end on Imani, faith. And so. It's a seven day celebration. It starts the day after Christmas and goes to New Year's.、Um, and on the last day, gifts are given to the children. And, and so, but there's a whole lot, you know, and as I'm continuing to learn and as I'm continuing to participate and build traditions around it, you know, I'll, I'll continue to educate、uh, more on it. But What has been really life giving is there's a woman by the name of Venus Jones that I discovered, and she has、um, an app, a Kwanzaa app that you can download. And she has these affirmations、um, for each of the days.、Hmm. And they have just been so life giving to sort of sit in reflection. And these are really universal principles, right? A, a function, you know, I specifically appreciate、yeah. Ujama because of the, the cooperative economics, because for, you know, so much of our struggle as Black people is rooted in the economic structure and the economic system.、Um, when you think about the racial wealth gap、uh, today,、mm-hmm. like massive. If, if you haven't, If you want a quick little rundown,、uh, there's an episode on it on Netflix on the series Explained that talks about the racial wealth gap today. And the numbers are mind blowing. I'm not、mm. going like, to give y'all that for homework. Go, go watch it. It's 20, 15, 20 minutes of your life. Your mind will be blown.、Mm-hmm. Um, about, and even how it is baked into policy、yeah. uh, as far as. Redlining and, and, and just so many governmental policies that has prevented、mm. black people、um, from having a share in economics. And so, Kwanzaa is this invitation one, especially if white people participate, to divest from their whiteness and to really、mm. embrace what does it mean to be truly united. Uh, together and to work in harmony for the collective good of all and the continued generations of the future.、Mm, love that. All of it. So interesting just being brought up in an evangelical family, you know, something like Kwanzaa. Most of my family assumed that Kwanzaa was another religion. Yeah. I mean, I think even I, I think it was taught to me that way as well.、Mm-hmm. So it was new to me in, in a lot of ways. So you're like, oh, the, it's, it's not 
a religion or is not an African holiday. Um, it's made mm. its way over to Africa and a lot of uh, African nations and peoples world and peoples worldwide celebrate it now because of the universal principles. Mm. I'll tell you, I tell you all a cute story uh, that happened last week um, when we were visiting my brother and sister-in-law. Um, if you do participate in um, church, you may be familiar with the Advent wreath and the lighting of the candles. And that's something that my um, little family of four here, we don't do with our kids currently. Um, but so we were, they were doing it there. And um, my sweet eight-year-old walked up and said, oh, are you lighting candle, candles for Kwanzaa? Because he had learned about Kwanzaa in school and didn't know what Advent was. Mm. Um, so, and everybody just looked at him and was like, no. <laughs> and, um, and then unfortunately in that moment, I didn't know enough. He had more knowledge than I did to tell him um, about the differences between Kwanzaa and Advent. Mm. So Tommy, what... I would totally put you on I love the spot. It. I love being put on the spot. What would be one of your hopes and desires um, as we start and kick off season two of this podcast in looking ahead at 2020? Hmm. Our world is in such an interesting place right now. And I'm going to say interesting because or else we can be talking about this for the next three hours. So I'm not trying to say it to make light of it, but more, there's just so much to say. And we will talk more about that in other episodes. But what would you, what would you want? Yeah. Um, I've, I've kind of been exploring that concept. I made a, a post on Facebook the other day. I've been exploring it with, you know, and thinking about today uh theme being purpose and i just love i love that this podcast is, is permission to be i think that we spend a lot of times being humans doing and not enough time uh being human beings mm. um and so i within that what that says to me is that we have to meet people where they are authentically mm. that we have to, you know, I'm, I'm stepping into my purpose. Um, I got a scientific hand analysis done before and it says, you know, I've done all this like self work and, and self discovery stuff. And I'm an Enneagram too. But one of the things that it says that uh, I'm a passionate innovator in business. And I think in our Western society, it's easy to take that terminology of business and make it uh, e and, and automatically uh, go in towards money. Yeah. Um, but business or busyness um, is about how you occupy your life. And so for me, I guess what I want to bring is how how are we always growing and pushing uh, ways that we can radically be ourselves mm -hmm. um, and root in 
this radical self-acceptance. And so whether that means, you know, you're an activist or you're a pastor and um, whatever, a, a musician, whoever you are, like all of these things are valuable. And I think as we divest from the current systems, that that's an, also an important divesting from the system of, of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to do that to actually step into being mm-hmm. because the system of whiteness is nothing but inauthentic. Um, it's about status. It's about appearance. Um, and I want to live my life in a way that breaks all that down. Um, and so I'm just going to read what I posted the other day. Before we read this reflection, I did want to revisit one point about, um, black women and white women. I think that these conversations are currently happening robustly. Um, but I think that there's a lot more work that white women can do specifically um, in support of black women, um, especially reading and applying themselves to black feminist thought, that is, feminist literature, feminist thought produced by black women. Um, because I think that it does address some uh, oversights and failures where earlier iterations of feminism have traditionally excluded black voices and not only that they've been denied authority often to um, create and set definitions um, or even the authority to express their experience and so there's some really valuable people like Angela Davis, Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, Alice Walker who have laid great foundation for this work already and I would encourage white women especially to if they haven't already to look into these lines of thought um, as they hold up um, uh, women and their rights to equality social, economic equality as well, but also recognizes um, the inequality of all people, black men and the systems that play there and and other men of color. Um, And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm a feminist, but I'm not necessarily the best person to teach, nor do I think that I should be teaching because there are amazing voices already out there doing the work that should be highlighted and I hope that in this podcast and this year and this season and future seasons that we're able to highlight those conversations and take a posture of listening and learning especially from the wisdom of black women all right now for a reflection on 2020 listen I don't know who needs to hear this going into the new decade, but pull up a seat. Do not go into 2020 with your happiness, your peace, your joy as negotiable. Stop trying to please everybody. 
Stop running yourself ragged for things that don't bring you life force but drain life force. Just stop. Stop with the appearances. Nobody actually cares. Stop with the passive aggression. Say what you feel and think. Stand with the repercussions of how it lands. You'll be better and stronger for it. Be impeccable with your word. Stop assuming things. Stop assuming people care. Ask them to. Stop assuming people know. Offer them information. Stop assuming people don't know. Live with a spirit of inquiry. Stop taking shit personal. It's your ego talking. And you're missing the bigger picture. Life is hard. Relationship is harder. It's worth living and doing. Be in community. Make your space the best place it can be. This decade has been all about learning this here. Do your best. That's all you have to do. Don't impress people. If by some chance you do, great. But do your best with what makes you happy. Because what I've come to know is that someone is always going to have an opinion about my happy, my peace, my joy. Praise be that opinions are not facts. Fact. Life is some sort of suffering. Fact. Haters gonna hate because they can't get their shit together. I'm not talking about material possessions, but I'm talking about internal peace. Once you root in and find that, no one can steal it. So walk, run into 2020, claiming your happiness, your joy, and your peace. Leaving behind what everyone else dictates should be. The choice is yours. Mm. Ashe. Mm. Yes. Mm. So I hope that I can bring that. I mean, and a lot of that was informed by the four agreements by uh, Don Miguel Luis. Don Luis Miguel, sorry. And that book was introduced to me in this decade and it's been really transformative. And it's just four agreements that I think if we strive to live our life by, it's transformative. But that does not excuse us from doing the work of divesting ourselves from systems that we participate in, systems of patriarchy, systems of white supremacy, um, because you know we are all healing from those systems and the generational trauma that those systems have inflicted on us for so long. And so, you know, yeah, that's all I got. Mm, that was a lot in all it was a lot and the reason I say that is because you just gave a lot of yourself and thank you for that thank you so friends you have gotten a little taste of who Tommy is and the gifts that he brings to the table. And it's not about that. Um, Like he was talking about, it's about being a community. It's about leaving the shitty pretenses and putting them down. And I am really excited for what this year is going to bring for permission to be I know that there will be a lot of learning and that is the best type of hard work. Amen. 
Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us on this first episode of Permission to Beat Season 2. Thank you to my dear friend, Tommy. Love you. I love you so much. Y'all just don't know. <laughs> like He just dogs it for us for 10 days, and my sweetest dog went a little neurotic. And <laughs> I'm putting that nicely. <laughs> and uh, y'all just don't know. Like Tommy's a rare person on this earth a rare person i'm gonna you make me cry <laughs> and i'm not and i'm not just trying to blow smoke i hope you someday have the honor and the privilege of getting to have a five minute conversation with him so my friends we will see you on our next episode of permission to be and please leave a comment a review if you've got questions if there are people or guests you would like us to have on this podcast don't hesitate to hop on to a social media and leave a comment. doesn't matter. It could be on some random post. You can make a comment and we'll see it. We're very active there. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to go to BeccaEpley.com and there are links there where you can leave questions as well. So, Oh, and I'll give you more than five minutes because <laughs> I do like to talk to people. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to find me, TommyAllgood.com and any other iterations of Tommy Allgood on social media and I should pop up. And I just look forward to being with you all and all of your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And if that means that we have to call each other out on some bullshit, mm -hmm. then so be it. Mm -hmm. But we're going to love each other through it. Mm -hmm. Y'all, that's a gift to have a friend who will do that. And Tommy's that type of friend. Go be well. Thank you for joining us on Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, and thank you to my good friend and co-host, Tommy Allgood. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and you'll never miss an episode. If you would leave us a rating and or review, we are always looking for more and more ways to hear from our listeners. You can find the links for today's guest in the show notes located at BeccaEpley.com. <laughs> Becca just jumped. <laughs> was, was, I just realized my phone wasn't on silent. And some some company has got my number sending me dirty texts. <laughs> Ooh. There's no pictures. It's just ugh, oh. which is stop. You know you can block that, right? <laughs> I know every, but it's a new one. I block every single one of them. Oh, I don't know. That's pesky. It's like a bot or something. Hmm. It is probably is a bot. Technology. Oh, bless it. Love it, hate it. <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> that's, that's how you all are listening to us. <laughs>